because God has loved and loved us and then we love other people. Not only that, from a good conscience because our conscience, although in our rebellion was seared as like a hot iron as the Apostle Paul speaks about, but now our conscience has been purified. The way that we live our lives mentally before God has been cleansed and now we have a good conscience because we're not violating our conscience in how we live and from a sincere faith because whatever is not done from faith is sin. Once we become sons and daughters of God, our lives begin to change. Pastor Daniel, we'll share today that this transformation, though it takes time, is one that creates a new life for us. We start to do things out of a love and gratefulness for the grace we've been given. We strive to learn more about Jesus and cling to His truth and offer hope to the world around us. We don't want to go backwards. There's nothing worthwhile there for us anyway. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 2 Peter chapter 2 with part 2 of his message, The Truth About False Teachers. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Now, what that means is that the wages, the compensation that a person gets for sin, which is anything that is in rebellion against God, the compensation for sin is death. So if a person sins, let alone has a sin nature that is bent on sin, the compensation for that is death. But then that same verse in the book of Romans says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is why we here at Crossroads and any Christian church that is truly a Christian church believes that a person needs to put their faith and trust in Jesus in order to be redeemed. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a human being except Jesus Christ himself who has not made mistakes. That's one way to say it. Has not transgressed against the perfect law of God. Has not done something that isn't the best way they could have done it. As I like to say that the sin nature is not that you're as bad as you could be, that you're the worst possible version of yourself, but none of us are as good as we should be. That it's not like you always do the most horrific thing you can do, but you actually don't always do the best thing that you can do. And in every way that you and I do not do the best that we can do, that is the Bible calls a sin. And what's the compensation for sin? What's the wages of sin? Death. But... For somebody who deserves the compensation of death for living in rebellion against God, the gift of God in Christ is eternal life. It's forgiveness. And each one of us has this opportunity in front of us. Will you allow God to forgive you? Jesus has already finished the work. But what you have here is that these false teachers, instead of teaching the righteousness of Jesus, this good news, this amazing reality of what it means to be in Christ, they're teaching the way of unrighteousness. And what he says, they will receive the wages of unrighteousness. They will receive the compensation for what they're doing. But notice, now we start to see their lifestyle a little bit. And their lifestyle is a bit. They carouse in the daytime. 
They count it pleasure. They're reveling in the daytime. What should be hidden under darkness of night is now done in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes. Now, let me ask you ladies, how many of you love spots and blemishes? I don't think I've ever seen a skincare product commercial that didn't have the phrase spots and blemishes in it. You know, as I see all these pictures, you know, because everyone's got like their home based business where they use you to make money. Right. And they have all these pictures. And the first picture, everyone looks all, you know, decrepit. And then six months later on this special cream. Now, look at this. They're like a model, you know. Why? Because those spots and blemishes are bad. It ruins a clear complexion and straight up. He's like, look, these false teachers are spots and blemishes. Notice they're reveling in their own deceptions while they feast with you. They have an angle on you. Notice in verse 14, having eyes full of adultery, they cannot cease for sin. This picture is that literally every time they see a woman, all they can think about is adultery. They're bent on rebellion, on this sinful lifestyle. Notice, and they entice unstable souls. They have been trained in covetous practices. That idea of the unstable soul, that's a soul without faith. That's what James uses. But when someone doesn't have faith, they're like a boat being tossed about by the winds. Every wind of doctrine, they get all thrown around. And what I love about what God has done is he's given us his truth in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. That when you trust in the word of God, you'll hear all these things, but you're not like a boat on a wave. You are anchored in the word and waves come, but you, because you are anchored, you just can roll with it because you're not going to get picked off. But you got to ask yourself, are you the kind of person that every time something new comes up, you go off on the tangents? That's why I think it's such a gift that we've been raised in this generation with the word of God, because it's meant to be something that stabilizes us in an unstable world. There's going to be information. There's going to be teachings and doctrines everywhere, but we don't want to be unstable souls who are pulled in a million different directions, but we want to be people who are fixed, who are rooted, who are steadfast. To explain these false teachers in verse 15, he says, they have forsaken the right way and they have gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. He brings up the idea of Balaam. This comes from Numbers chapter 22, if you want to read it in your own time. This man, Balaam, was a prophet, and he was hired by a king to come and curse the children of Israel. But God said to him, he said, I can only come if the Lord tells me to go. And the Lord says, don't go. So he said, I can't go. And then the king came back with more money and more riches. And Balaam said, okay, you know, I can only go if the Lord tells me to go. But the Lord already told him not to go. But he really wanted the riches. And so he said, okay, you know, like if the Lord tells me to go, the Lord said, go. And then he was on the way. The angel of the Lord was there to kill him. It's a very strange story. And Balaam's donkey wouldn't go forward because although the prophet couldn't see the angel, the donkey did. And the donkey was pressing Balaam against the wall. And Balaam got mad. He started to hit the donkey. And then the donkey started to speak to him in human language. And so now we could talk about something like, well, that's why I don't believe the Bible. Listen, if you don't believe in talking animals, just go on YouTube. (laughs) 
I love this. I was like, ah, I can't believe the Bible. It's like, it's mythology. How could an animal talk? I'm like, just go to YouTube, bro. Put a talking animal. It's amazing the things animals say. And listen, but if there is a God, and there is, and if God has control over everything, which he does, and if God wants a human voice to come out of an animal, guess what? It's going to happen. And it's not like because I, I wanted to, like, it's the most rational thought in the world. If God is all-powerful, God could do anything. So I noticed there's some of you are skeptical. Every reason you can find out to believe the Bible, you do. Except the thing is, is you're not actually wanting truth. You just want to trust your skepticism. And I know this real well because I did this for years of my life. I could have argued anybody out of believing in the Bible. Because I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to be held accountable by God. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want all these things. And so I had all the reasons why until I realized that it was all just an elaborate hoax. It was all just me wanting not to have to change. I just want to have to be different. So I have no problem as a educated, rational person to believe that this donkey could talk to this prophet. Because I believe it's possible. And you may say, well, you know, their trainers train them how to say it. So their mouths can vocalize. That's fine, right? And if God wants to now give them something to say, then what's the problem? God can do anything. God spoke the world into existence. He sustains you and all of us every single moment. You don't think he can handle that? Of course he can handle that. But what we learn here is that Balaam is an example of these false teachers because what we learn here is that what Balaam really wanted was he wanted the money. He loved the wages, it says, of unrighteousness. Even though God had blessed the children of Israel and Balaam was not allowed to curse them. What Balaam really wanted was he wanted the money that came from being a prophet. So even though he wasn't able to curse them, if you read the story, Balaam blessed them three times. He actually did tell that king how to stumble the children of Israel by sending the women into the land and for the men to be enticed and drawn away. But what Balaam really was interested in is the money. And guess what? There is a lot of money in being a false teacher in the church. Lots of money. And if you don't believe me, just do a search of the richest pastors in America. People making millions and tens of millions of dollars on the message of the finished work of Jesus. The fact that God loves you and sent his son to die on a cross. It's one of the reasons many people are put off by church. Because all of a sudden you're like, how is this possible? Because people, just like Balaam, get into the things of ministry, not for the things of God's kingdom but for their own enhancement. Now, we're reminded that even though Balaam loved the wages of unrighteousness, he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. And then this section closed where we need to remember our reason because he says, these are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now you got to realize that in the area and region where Peter lived, it was an arid region. So if you find a well, you want to get water out of it. When you find clouds, you want to get rain out of it. And so there's a hope that there will be some benefit or blessing from these things that you don't receive because it's not there. Now, for us, you're like, well, we're not really worried about water. I mean, it only rained like 187 days this winter. Even though I think there's only 180 days in winter, we got extra winter days of rain this past winter. 
right, here in the Northwest. And so we, it's not the same problem, but in that arid climate, when there was a well, you needed water. And this was long before you can get distilled water, oxygenated water, twice purified, you know, whatever kind of water you want. You know, I don't like plastic because plastic, you know, it takes on the property, so I only drink my water out of glass bottles. I only get the Whole Foods water because everything is three times expensive in Whole Foods or whatever, you know. <laughs> I'm not knocking Whole Foods. I like Whole Foods just the same. But in that culture, if there was a well, you wanted water out of it, right? If there was a cloud, you wanted to rain so that you could get irrigation. And so although there was the promise of benefit or blessing, in all these cases, there's disappointment. And the same thing with a false teacher. There's the promise of blessing, but it's only disappointment. Now, moving on from there, look what it says in verse 18, 2 Peter 2. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Now, these verses are challenging, but it's something that we've been seeing. If you want to saying, well, how do I identify a false teacher? And what we learn in what we just read in now these verses is that we need to check their motives. The motivation why somebody does something tells the story. So in some ways, you want to look behind what they're saying and look to what motivates them. Now, one of the things that I know is that when you're talking about checking someone's motivations is that oftentimes... We do a terrible job of ascribing motives, don't we? Oftentimes we give ourselves the benefit of that on the motives and we look at people's motives and we give them the worst possible ascription of motives. But what we find here is that these false teachers, they speak these great swelling words of emptiness. They allure through the lusts of the flesh and through lewdness. So really what you find is that these false teachers, they're not motivated by the things of God. They're motivated by the passions of the flesh. And the idea of the flesh is rebellion against God through lewdness. Things that would be considered impure are now being promoted through the teaching supposedly of God. And what they're doing is they're drawing people away. We have to be careful when a teaching doesn't minister to us in the eternal spirit that dwells within us when we were born again, but leads us into the things of the passions of naturalness. What we find with these false teachers is that they're drawing people away from the true and living God. And what it says here is important, that while they promise liberty, they themselves are slaves to corruption. For by whom a person is overcome by him, also he is brought into bondage. So what happens is oftentimes there's a promise of freedom, but you're only bringing somebody into bondage. And now this is something that's in the Bible comes up over and over and over again that we don't really like talking about. This idea that it's very easy to be slaves to sin, slaves to bondage. Slave language is very challenging post African slavery in the West and all of the atrocities that come from it. But you have to ask yourself, what are you enslaved to? Who is the master that drives your life? 
See, whatever it is that you can't live without, that you, when you don't have it, you get really aggressive about that, it shows you into whom you serve. And Bob Dylan, that great American theologian, said everybody serves somebody. And it's true, isn't it? That everybody says, oh, I'm an independent, I'm an autonomous person. No, you're not. Nobody is. We are driven people oftentimes enslaved. And what you have is that Jesus offers liberty. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We should be free in the freedom that's in Christ. But it's very easy to be hooked up into bondage again. Anybody who's ever admitted to their struggles with addiction and habits. See, what's unfortunate in the day and age we live in is that when people think of addiction, it always goes to drugs and alcohol, but shopping is an addiction, right? Entertainment is an addiction. The quest for money is an addiction. The quest for, I constantly need to have my emotions satisfied. Some people's addictions is drama. Do you ever meet someone who they're there only function well when it's drama. So when there's no drama, they create drama. That's an addictive habit. I know someone's like, I only do good when there's mayhem going on. But you meet people like that, don't you? See, these are all addictions. People who are addicted to adrenaline. There's people who are addicted to high-risk behavior. See, we have a tendency to say, well, this is an addiction when it's very, very somebody, when it's really destructive. But oftentimes when you look at someone who the only way they feel pleasure is when they're running up their credit card, that leaves you in bondage, doesn't it? You're a slave to credit card debt. Or you're enslaved. You're, you know, how many of you guys ever saw that TV show Hoarders? Yeah, how many of you guys are hoarders? No, this is good. You know, a couple of you. I know somebody who all they always need something to collect. They're a collector. So they collect this thing and this thing. And, and I'm not saying these things are bad, but if you didn't do it, if you feel unfulfilled, it actually shows what you're addicted to. The studies today are telling us that kids growing up with technology, technology is almost like a heroin addiction for kids. The way it functions biochemically in your brain. You know, if you're the kind of person who every five seconds you've got to pull out your phone and check to make sure you didn't get a new notification on Facebook, guess what? Addicted. Because literally, when you do that, it releases a certain neurotransmitter in the brain that functions in the same way that drugs and alcohol function. We're raising our kids on this stuff. And so we have to be careful that we don't find ourselves having been delivered by Jesus, finding ourselves again in bondage. And these false teachers are doing that. But when you speak about motivation... Rather than just seeking to discern someone else's motivation, I think maybe the greatest thing we can do is say, what's my motivation? Have you ever asked yourself what motivates you? I got a scripture verse for you. I found this. I love this. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Now, this is the purpose of the commandment. It's love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. That should be our motivation if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus. That your motivation should be love Self-sacrificial love from a heart that is pure, from a conscience that is good, and from a sincere faith. And just so you know, all those things, that's a gift from Jesus that you get by salvation, that we respond to. 
See, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you've received that gift of God that is eternal life in Christ Jesus, now because Jesus loves and God is love, now all of a sudden, now we love from a heart of purity. Not love where we're wanting to receive. We love because God has loved and loved us and then we love other people. Not only that, from a good conscience because our conscience, although in our rebellion was seared as like a hot iron as the Apostle Paul speaks about, but now our conscience has been purified. The way that we live our lives mentally before God has been cleansed and now we have a good conscience because we're not violating our conscience in how we live and from a sincere faith because whatever is not done from faith is sin. I think so much of life is meant to be lived, actually all of life is meant to be lived in response from Jesus. That's what we say here all the time. We want to simply respond to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus invites us into a life of love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from sincere faith. How powerful is that? Now, when I read this, I realize, man, my motivations, God, I think you want to work on them. Because how often do I live not from love, from a pure heart? How often do I not live with a clean conscience? How often do I make decisions based on doubt, my own fears and limitations, as opposed to a good God who wants to do unexpected and unbelievable things? That should be our motivation. Now, to close out this chapter, look what it says in verse 20. It says, For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. And brothers and sisters, what we're taught here and what we're exhorted to is that you and I need to make sure we don't go back. That we don't go Back. See, what this is speaking about is somebody who has come to know Jesus, right, and been delivered from bondage, and then because of a false teacher, now all of a sudden falls away and lands back in bondage. Now, this is really concerning, of course, because it happens all the time, doesn't it? Somebody comes to know Jesus and God does a work and then before they know it, they get caught up again. All these old temptations, now they start giving into them and then they fall away. And this idea of the person who has come to faith but has strayed away from it again, how the latter end is worse than the former. That it gets worse. Now, the theology of how all this works is very challenging. Because you see it in the scriptures, and there's other scriptures that you can book from the book of Hebrews and different places, and churches argue, well, did somebody, I thought no one could snatch them out of their hand, and then people start to say, well, were they really saved, or they were saved, but they walked away from their faith, and people argue about these things, and I don't want to bore you with all the arguments. I think the key for us is, is don't go back. Does that make sense? It's like the theology of when someone comes to know Jesus and walks with Jesus and then gets drawn away by false teaching or whatever and they end up somewhere that they don't want to be, what we realize is that we need to make sure that we abide in Christ. Jesus is 
How do we know if we're following false teaching? In today's message, Pastor Daniel encouraged us to look at our motivation and the results of what we're doing. Are we serving people, giving money, or doing anything in ministry for personal gain? Have we put regulations on ourselves that are weighing us down and keeping us from Jesus? If so, it's possible we aren't following the Bible. We need to adjust our path. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. God has been doing some amazing things at Crossroads. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is our new campuses. We launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. So if you're in the area, I'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship Sundays at 10 a.m. Our online campus is reaching the entire world. And we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9, 11, or 1 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at CrossroadsLive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next episode of Jesus is Real Radio. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel breaks the salvation message down into a few simple to remember and easy to share points. We all want to know the easiest way to get something done. And while following Jesus is anything but easy, understanding it can be. Pastor Daniel plans to challenge all of us with the truth of salvation when you join us next time on Jesus Is Real Radio. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.